You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. Today, we're talking about the Rise Above the Occasion campaign in Niagara County uh, that the county has launched. The initiative was created to help fight against addiction, overdoses, and suicide, and to show that there are many options available for support, services, and treatment. I'm Kate Pierce, Multimedia Specialist with NYSAC, and we're joined today by Merla Gibbons-Doxey, Deputy Director of the Niagara County Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. Thanks so much for joining us for this conversation today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So to start off, um, could you give us an overview of your department and some of the services that you provide? Sure, absolutely. So Niagara County Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services is the local governmental unit, meaning that we oversee the Office of Mental Health, Office of Addiction Services Supports, and uh, the um, Office of Persons with Developmental Disabilities. So we oversee our service system. We also have various other services and direct services that we operate. A few of those are our single point of access program for children and adults. That helps to link individuals to the Office of Mental Health, Housing and Residential Services, also to community-based supports um, to support individuals to be their best within the community. We have various direct services, which include our adult integrated care clinics, where we serve individuals to treat their mental health substance use, and some limited primary care. We also have our crisis services, 24-hour crisis services phone line, and we have a mobile crisis team that can respond to needs as well. And then we have various home and community-based services, such as crisis service coordination, hospital diversion. We have a partnership for healthy aging program that helps individuals 55 and older. We have a behavioral health clinician that is embedded within the Department of Social Services, as well as a recovery specialist that works with parents who have tox positive um, babies um, that have used substances and they work with those um, parents. We also have uh, assisted outpatient treatment, which is under Kendra's law, uh, mental hygiene law 9.60. And we also have forensic case management um, So we have a variety of services that we do within our community that we serve. Great, it sounds like you're really embedded in the community. We are. Uh, Can you also talk a little bit about the uh, Niagara County Opioid Task Force? Uh, When was that task force created and um, who's on the task force? Sure, so it's really exciting to talk about that. Um, We have our uh, task force that was created in early 2016. It is called uh, the Niagara County OASIS Task Force and OASIS stands for Opiate Addiction Overdose Strategy Implementation Standing Committee. (laughs) I know it's a mouthful, right? Um, It was established in 2016 by the Niagara County Legislature and it really was in recognition of a broad impact on the opiate epidemic that we were seeing in our communities. It also had some personal impacts to some of our legislators that established this. Rebecca Wittish was appointed as the chair of the task force. She is also currently our chairwoman of our legislature. It is comprised of the standing committee that have members from our Niagara County legislature majority and minority caucus leaders. We have various county department heads, police and fire chiefs. We also have a community registered nurse and pharmacist that sit on that standing committee. As part of that, and looking at the strategies that they'd like to implement, The first subcommittee came about the public involvement and awareness subcommittee, 
which is where the campaign that we're talking about today was birthed from. <laughs> um, that was the first uh, committee. It was originally co-chaired by my department director, Laura Kellerman, along with Niagara County legislator, Owen Steed. Um, and I had taken over as one of the co-chairs for my director. We also have the law enforcement and first responder uh, subcommittee that was created next. And that was in the early part of 2012. Um, their primary goal is to really take a look at uh, standardized reporting of the opiate overdose responses so they could really understand what the drug use and trafficking patterns are, as well as to address any public safety concerns, target enforcement um, efforts, and develop specific outreach and prevention campaigns. One of the big things about the Law Enforcement and First Responder Committee is it also has developed our Niagara County Presenting Alternatives to Treatment and Healing Team, which is the Niagara County PATH team. And through that, they have done our quick response post-opiate overdose team. So for individuals that have overdosed in the community, we have a team that responds within 24 to 72 hours afterwards to offer support and services. In the event of a fatality, uh, they also are available to the family. And they have the law enforcement assisted diversion uh, program, which is also fairly newer and has been rolling out across a few jurisdictions. So they've had a lot going on in that one <laughs> over the past few years. And then we have a third subcommittee, which is our medical subcommittee. Um, and that really brings together the medical community to expand local availability of medication assisted treatment, as well as trying to help facilitate uh, linkage to individuals in the community who are served through emergency departments. So looking at the whole task force, um, there's the main uh, standing committee. Then we have our subcommittees that do very specific and targeted work um, depending upon the goals and objectives for them. Great, that is a phenomenal setup. Yes, really. it's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, that is great. So you had said that out of one of those subcommittees came this campaign. Um, so what, could you give just an overview of the campaign for our listeners? I know I had given a brief introduction for some of the goals that you have, um, but just tell us what the drive was to create this campaign. Sure. So as I mentioned, one of the first subcommittees was the Public Awareness Involvement Subcommittee, and that's where all our uh, public awareness campaigns are really coming from. Our goal is to really help prevent any opiate use or substance use, and if you can't prevent it, our goal is to really help educate the community and allow them to gain access to the appropriate resources that they may need in part of their journey. So as uh, that committee is also, I should probably say, is combined of a lot of our treatment and support agencies uh, that provide services to individuals who use drugs. Um, it also has community members on it, um, as well as individuals that are in recovery. So we have a lot of perspectives that put in uh, their thoughts and ideas. We're always looking for new things, and it's really in response to what's going on and what do people need to know. And it was really inspired by a song, um, a song by uh, Andrew Day, Rise Up. And it was really a song that uh, we felt was just very hopeful. And, you know, regardless of what the challenges you're going through, you know, kind of rise up, you can, you can do this, right? And so there's a lot of copyright and processes that have to go involved if you're going to use someone's songs for a campaign. So we started talking about what about our own community? You know, do we know anyone or does anyone know of anyone that would be willing to participate? I think when you have 
and we know when we have community involvement that it means a lot more. It's not just a top down or individuals who may seem removed from it. It's really coming from the community we're embedded in and what's meaningful. You know, what does this mean to us here in Niagara County? So by word of mouth, we had an individual that goes by the performance name of Pretty Boy who stepped forward and said, I'll do this. Um, really took it on. He asked, you know, what are you looking for? And our whole purpose for this was to say, we just want to let the community know that we are here, that places are open. And regardless of what door you go in, someone's going to be able to help you or direct you to, you know, where you can go. Um, and so that's what I gave. I said, our concept was rise up, give people a sense of hope, let them know they can do this and that we're all behind them. And so that was, that's where it started. <laughs> that's great. And I'll link to the video um, in the description of the podcast and we'll include this song at the end of the podcast. That way our listeners can hear it and um, think about ways that they can tie it into their own community, some similar initiative. Um, so that is great. And that really brings together a lot of the, the stakeholders in your community and like members of the community to make this more impactful to say that this isn't, you know, this isn't a nationwide campaign that we're also bringing to the county. This is the county's campaign. That these are, you know, your peers within within your community that are saying, here are these resources that are available to us here. That is great. Absolutely. And especially, I should also add to that, with COVID and with a quick pivot of the service system going to virtual, you know, telehealth, whether it's by telephone or audiovisual, there was a perception that we started to hear that, well, no one, no one's there, no one's available, because there wasn't always, depending on where they went, there wasn't always a place to walk into anymore. Some agencies had went fully remote, some had a hybrid, but sometimes the message was everything's closed. So people feel isolated and they may not know that things are open. And we really wanted that strong message of just reach out, have a phone call, you know, and learn of what the resources are. What are some of the, um, the things that stand in the way, do you think, of folks reaching out to some of the, these services? Is there like a stigma around reaching out for services? Sure. I think whether you have a substance use or mental health concern or just a concern in general, sometimes it's hard to, to have a conversation with someone, right? Just to say, I'm struggling or I'm, I'm having a difficult time. Um, you know, sometimes society is like your, you know, your definition of strong is you don't cry, you don't have problems, you don't talk about problems. Um, so I think just in general, sometimes it's hard within human nature to say I need help with something. When you talk specifically about mental health or substance use concerns, there is a huge stigma that exists in society about that. And so it can even be more difficult for someone to say, I'm struggling and I need help with this. Uh, there are, I think sometimes individuals have a certain visualization in their mind that it's only a certain type of person. Somebody may only look a certain way or um, just kind of those stereotypes that go along with that. So I, I think stigma is a huge reason why individuals don't reach out and ask for help. And sometimes they just don't because they don't even know where to start. And so what's uh, the reaction or the um, reception from your community partners with this campaign that are included in the video, some of the, you know, the um, places for folks to reach out to, uh, what, 
What did they think of the campaign when you brought the idea forward? Sure. So we have representatives from various of our agencies um, that also sit on this. Um, so they've been able to talk with others within their organization. But I have to say, it was very humbling. Um, many, all through this campaign, I keep feeling very humbled by the community support, the agencies who quickly stepped up and came together with this. I reached out to the CEOs, you know, respectfully that is this something that your brand is going out there? Is this something that you would like to be a part of? You know, there can be limitations for some. So if anyone was left out of it, it wasn't like intentional or for very for specific reasons, but it was just an outrage to say, you know, this is our concept. We just want people to know one, we're united. Um, oftentimes businesses can appear competitive, not necessarily that they are, but the appearance can be that they're very competitive. Uh, not with this, it was really, the community and the providers coming together to say we're in it. There was no thought. And I have to say that that was really amazing to me. It was like, absolutely. This is something that we're willing to be on board to do. So for me, it was one of those moments again, where it validates that I feel so appreciative to be able to work with in our community, with our community, with our providers, because it really is about how do we serve individuals best? And if it's not through this entity or that entity, we want you to get help. And so I think that's that's just one of the really exciting things about this project. That's great. Um, and what are some of the plans for the campaign going forward? Like, is there um, some long-term goals that you have in mind? So one of the things we do is just want to get it out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were trying to put it on various platforms, um, our social media page. So um, the Niagara County Facebook page has um, it on there. Our Niagara County Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, we have it on there as well as our website under services and agencies. We put a link under there. Um, we had the other community partners also posted on their pages and share widely. I know it's been shared many, many times. And so the, I, my hope is that it keeps going, right? Um, we also shared it with school districts. So they have an opportunity if they wanted to share that either on their pages or anyone that may be interested however they disperse their information. Um, we just want it to be able to go forward in, in any way possible. Um, I'm certain that it's something that through our department page will you know, continue to remind and put, put it back on there so individuals know that help, help can be in many different ways here. Right. And you had mentioned before that um, with the pandemic, that really changed how people thought of these services as being available. Um, can you talk a little bit about the ways that the pandemic impacted how um, these services were provided? Like some models may have gone to all virtual and some hybrid, you said. Um, and are you continuing to do these kind of um, adaptive um, services? Sure, sure. So if anything that we learned with COVID is be prepared to pivot at any time with anything. And typically, whether it's mental health or public health, uh, behavioral health providers, public health providers are used to being that in their daily repertoire. You have to be able to respond to whatever is presented in front of you. And this was something that really brought forth the way you do business. Um, you know, telehealth was something that you know, it, it's been happening for a while and different providers have had their pace in their course of when they anticipated to do that. 
and then you get a public health crisis and it's, we have to do this right now, <laughs> right? And so um, there was some flexibilities in different entities and some of the, the rules and the regs that were waived in order for a response to be done. Um, however, infection control pro protocols needed to, to be effective as well as still being able to appropriately receive and respond to the needs that you have before you. Some agencies went fully remote, um, meaning they either had individuals working from home and engaged in Zoom, WebEx, you know, various platforms that you could do audio and visual. Um, there was some flexibilities in the rules that allowed some uh, telehealth to be done just by telephone. That's not typically um, rules that are in place, but that was a flexibility. Um, some organizations um, maintained their staffing just you know, in-house and allowed continued in-person visits. Our department has been one of them. Um, other than about a, a week of an, the initial uh, impact of COVID trying to organize, how do we do this and respond to all the mandates that are there, our staff have continued to operate in-person, allowing individuals to come in. But we also have the flexibility that if an individual does not want to come in or there's other protocols that have to be in place to reduce the amount of individuals in an, in an office space, we've been able to engage our direct services in those telehealth components of it. In terms of things like our crisis services, um, you have to be able to see people in person. So the majority of those services um, remained where you know, we're, we're going out into the community. Um, but again, just making sure that we're using proper infection control protocols and procedures to keep us safe and to keep individuals that we're serving safe as well. So and it, that's kind of across the board. Agencies have been able to do what is best to meet that their employee and their um, individual needs. And this is, you know, the challenge that has been met across the nation, of course, and then definitely across the state and in each of the counties of New York State as departments pivot and tr are trying to follow protocols. Um, and even the fight against substance abuse and um, suicide prevention, that, that's something that's also done at the local level throughout the state. So if any of our listeners today um, in county government are thinking, wow, this campaign sounds really great um, and could have something similar could have an impact in our community as well. What kind of advice would you give to those county leaders to start a campaign like Rise Above the Occasion? Sure. A couple, I guess a couple points that I would say. One, you have to make sure you've built those relationships with your uh, network and also make sure that you have a presence and understanding of your community. Having community voice is key. To better, to better understand what is going on and to do these initiatives, you have to be able to speak to them, but to be able to speak to them and to us, you know, overall as people, um, you have to listen. You have to have uh, good minds that really come together. And I always say an idea is great, right? But what makes an idea great? It's the minds that make it great and actually put it into action. And so I just encourage um, people to build those relationships, listen to the voices of your community, and really just come together to speak you know, to them with a message of hope and recovery in any way that fits your community best. Great. Is there anything else um, that you'd like to add uh, before we start to wrap up our conversation here? The only thing I would like to say in terms of um, accessing services or a point of contact, if anyone from Niagara County is listening to this, 
we would really encourage that if they need any information, support, or resources, they can always call our 24-hour crisis services phone line at 716-285-3515, and it is free and confidential for individuals to access. Fantastic. Well, thank you so very much for taking the time to join us for this conversation. And like I said, we'll uh, add in the song in just a moment so that our listeners can uh, can enjoy that. And uh, we'll link to your Facebook video below. Great. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.